This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. I'm going to start with our, actually our theme verse for the series that I haven't even mentioned yet. So I might as well come back to it, eh? at least once. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 in the NLT, it says, Then if my people, who are my people, okay, who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and restore their land. And most of us, depending on where we're at in our walk with God, we love this verse until it says wicked. And then we go, who? No, don't say that word in church. No, are you calling me wicked? Um, no. But you know what? There's something that happens when we make a decision to pray and seek. When we pray and seek, the only thing that becomes possible is that God shines a mirror. When God shines a mirror, then we have to see things that sometimes we don't want to see. But God doesn't show us those things to discourage us or to disappoint us. He shows us those things because he knows ultimately what's going to hold you back. He ultimately knows what's going to, uh, what the enemy is going to try to do with that stuff that's never been dealt with. How many know that the enemy cannot bring up something that's already gone to the cross? The enemy can't play off of something in your life unless you let him. So what I want you to do this morning is, you know, don't ignore the word wicked because I think that's important. But I want you to highlight and underline in your Bible or in your phones or whatever you want to do or make note of it. Underline, humble, pray, and seek. Humility is the precursor to positioning ourselves for prayer. What happens if we don't do that? Then we come in with our own selfish motives. And then we come in with our list. How many have ever been frustrated because God didn't answer everything on your list? Come on, let's be honest. Okay, I've had many times where I've had to have a discussion with the big man saying, Lord, I came and I was very nice. I even made it sound like I was really godly. Like, come on. And you know what I've realized with his list and with our list? That his list is very different than our list. And what God tries to capture in his list is a transformation in our hearts so that we pray in alignment with his list, not ours. But humility starts to prepare us for prayer. Once we pray, then there's a word that's connected here that's so important. It says seek. How many know that most of us in North American churches today, we pray for something and then we think, okay, that's good and we're going to move on with our life. But there's a seeking, there's a a pursuit that has to happen. These three words are so key. We humble, we pray, we seek. We humble, we pray, we seek. If we do that, we are literally going to see revival, transformation, open heaven, open everything over our lives, over our families, over our cities, and it's going to be continuous. There's going to be no stopping. There's going to be no plugs. There's going to be nothing that would hinder it because we've positioned ourselves for revival. Charles Finney says this, prayer is an essential link in the chain of causes that lead to revival. Prayer is an essential link. It is a connection point. It is so key. Um, probably thinking to yourself right now, he's talking about prayer, so w- you know, what are your thoughts on prayer, Cameron? You know, you're, I can hear it right now. You're thinking it. So what do you think? Um, here's what I think. When I grew up, I loved to pray from a list. As I matured, I learned how to pray God's list. Now I'm at a point where 
I want so desperately to pray for heaven on earth that I can't stop. You know, I shared in the, in the uh, pre-service prayer this morning, and I'll share it with you guys in this service. There comes a moment in all of our lives when it comes to Christianity, what, we start as a spectator, right? But then we move to a participator. And most Christians get stuck at that level. But God's desire is not for us to just go from a spectator to a participator, but he wants us to go from a participator to an initiator. It's a big difference. And so what I want to challenge you this morning is if you are a spectator when it comes to prayer, take the giant leave to participate. If you're a participator in prayer this morning, I want you to take the lead and initiate. If you're an initiator... then look out. That's all i got to say. I've had the craziest things happen in the last 20 years because I initiate. And I just say, God, I'm going for it. I don't care how I feel. I don't care what my body's telling me today. I don't care what's going on in my life. I'm going for it. And the moment I say I'm going for it, the craziest stuff happens. Or I look back and I go, what in the world's going on? But it's God infiltrating and permeating that very circumstance and situation with his presence because I made a choice not to hold back and not wait for somebody else to do it. I want to go from humble, pray, to seek. I want to go from spectator to participator to initiator. That's the heart of God for us this morning. Are we tracking today? I want to start just with one kind of key verse that's going to kind of set me up for my message this morning. It's James chapter 5, the second part of verse 16. It says, the effective... Fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Uh, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Effective literally means to be active, to initiate, okay? To put forth power, to display one's activity, to be mighty in. Prayer literally means to petition. I don't know about you, but in the last 20 years, petitioning things have actually become pretty popular. So if we don't agree with something, you know, we're going to write to the MP, but we're also going to uh, you know, sign a petition. And a petition literally means... Um, an earn, an earnest request. But how many know with an earnestness or prevailing spirit, you just don't let go? You just don't hand something to somebody and then let it go. When you're earnest about something, you keep going after it. Like the parable of the persistent widow. She would not take no for an answer. Could you imagine if every single believer on the earth right now prayed prayers where they would never, ever, ever, ever take no for an answer? God, I, yep, we're going to keep pressing through, Lord. I know what that person's doing right now, and I know they're far from God, but I don't care what I see. Lord, I know what I believe. Amen? Amen. The NLT of that, of that verse, I love it. It says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I love that verse. It's so awesome. So I want to say this morning, just as a start, prayer creates... A spiritual atmosphere. Prayer creates a spiritual atmosphere. Thought number one, it's very basic, but I want you to understand that in any atmosphere that is created in your life, whether it be spiritual or whether it be natural, creates two different phenomenons. You can either walk into an atmosphere like that and you feel built up, or you walk into an atmosphere like that and you feel, you feel torn down. Do you know what I'm saying? How many have ever walked into an atmosphere at home and you could feel it? How many ever walked into a workplace lunchroom and you could feel it? 
How many of you have ever walked into a Starbucks and you're meeting with somebody and you got three words into the conversation and you're like, oh, whoa, I felt that. And then you have to make a choice. Which atmosphere are you going to uh, create and which atmosphere are you going to align yourself with? I've seen this so many times. I'm going to say for my own life. When I grew up, I was a glass half empty kind of guy, being honest. I was, I, I used to call myself prophetic, but I was really pathetic because I just judged everybody. You know what I'm saying? I judged everybody. I had an opinion about every person that I've ever met in my life. Now, I wouldn't verbalize it all the time. Sometimes I did, and that didn't, that didn't uh, go over so well. I don't know why. I'm like, it's not my fault I'm wise. But no one appreciated my vast wisdom. So I had to learn that there was a shift that had to happen. Why? Because I created an atmosphere wherever I went. You know what the atmosphere that was created wherever I went? Uh Uh-oh, what's he going to say now? Serious. What's this guy going to say now? I don't feel comfortable around this guy. And then I got a hold of the father's love, 22 years of age, and that changed all that. I am a totally different person now. So now I've gone from being pathetic back to prophetic, but in the right way. So it's all good. It's all good. But you have to understand that every single person is key to establishing and creating a spiritual climate and a spiritual atmosphere. Sometimes what we want to do is we want to see other people create that. You know, one of the things that I've noticed in a lot of people's lives, and I saw this through social work, where someone was always waiting for the other person to change the atmosphere in their home. Well, well, if they just stepped up and did something. And my response is, why don't you? I don't know, I don't, you know I, I don't know what I should do. And I go, you know what? Every single thing that you do in your life, there's an atmosphere. How would you be a, 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 an intentional choice, make an intentional choice today to align yourself with God's heart and create an atmosphere where he is welcomed? This is what prayer is all about. It's about humbling ourselves. God, we're going to surrender to you. We're going to pray. Why? Because we believe, God, that you can answer. We're going to seek you. Why? Because we believe, Lord God, that you can do something that we cannot do. So we are going to stand in faith for that this morning. Atmosphere defined is something like this. It's very basic. It's the pervading or surrounding influence. It is a general mood or environment. That's atmosphere. And prayer is a key to creating and setting in place a spiritual atmosphere where God is welcome. Acts 2.42, this is kind of the end of the, the day of Pentecost, and it literally says this, and they continued steadfastly, determined is another version of it, in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. It was a normal part of their life. Interestingly enough, what, what, what set them up for the pen, day of Pentecost experience was an all-night prayer meeting, an all-night worship service. They had been praying all the time, not just all night, but for 10 straight days. I love it. I think that's awesome. I think we should just go to our bosses this afternoon and say, listen, I just feel like you need to just give me 10 straight days off with pay because I am going to do things in the heavenlies that will transform your life. I think we should do that. You can come to me, actually, if you want. <laughs> yeah, you guys, can, you guys come to me, and I'll be like, yes, Jesus. Oh, glory. And then I'll just turn to Jeff and Rachel and say, hey, you guys are in charge. <laughs> See ya. Okay. See you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all good. But a spiritual atmosphere unlocked by prayer is always marked by three basic things. Number one, the presence of God. In other words, his tangible presence. Number two is Holy Spirit power. In other words, the effect of his presence. And the third thing is this, transformation. In other words, change lives as a result of his presence. 
It's the same three things. I don't know about you, but that excites me. That gets me pumped. That gets me so excited. And what does those three things equal? If you could put them together, what does it equal? Oh, a selfie? Okay. Okay, sorry. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Sorry. Sorry, Lord. I was distracted there by my whatever. Okay, here we go. What does this equal? It equals an open heaven. An open heaven. A heaven that's open over your life. A heaven that doesn't have any hindrances. Anything that holds back. It's a constant flow. Picture Niagara Falls. It's a constant flow. That's an open heaven experience. You know what's so cool about that whole Niagara Falls thing is that you can literally be up to two kilometers down the river and still feel the mist of the falls. In other words, you can still feel the effect of the overflow. That's what I want for our church. No matter where you go, people can feel your effect two miles away. They can feel it no matter where they go. It's like, whoa. You know, like the same response in Acts chapter 3 from the Pharisees. Well, they must have been with Jesus, those disciples. <laughs> yeah, they were. That's awesome. I want to just go on a little bit of a journey here just to explain to you and, and to give you something that's a bit of an illustration so you can see how this works, spiritually speaking. So in the natural, um, we have actually five layers in our natural atmosphere, and I think it's up there. You can go to the next slide. There we go. Cool. So we have five layers in our natural atmosphere. We start with the troposphere, which is literally 10,000 feet. Um, above the surface of the earth. Interestingly enough, this is where weather is made. This is where all the cloud cover is. 99.8% of all weather forma uh, formations are, are literally in this area, in the, in the troposphere. Interestingly enough, the Greek word tropos literally means the turning or stirring. Can you imagine that when we get to level one, there's a turning or a stirring in the spiritual realm when we lock into what God wants us to pray into and speak uh, into our lives. I'm going to kind of give the, the, the context here in a second. But the second thing is the stratosphere. This is around 40,000 feet. And this is where planes fly. And, and I, I actually didn't find this out till this week. I've always wondered, why do planes fly in that level? They're anywhere from about 33,000 to about 42,000 feet. And it's because in that particular uh, area of our natural atmosphere, the stratosphere, it is the most stable air. So some of you complain about turbulence, but turbulence is far worse at 12,000, 15,000, 20,000 feet. And then above that, that's the most stable air. Um, interestingly enough, it's also where the ozone layer is. It, it absorbs UV light and converts it into heat. Interesting little thought. The third level is the mesosphere, which is around 50 to 60,000 feet. It's where meteors burn so they don't hit gravity. Okay? So, I'm just again, I'm just giving you some illustrations and a, and a picture of what this is all about. Thermosphere is 300,000 feet. It's literally where the space shuttles fly. It's where they orbit the Earth. Uh, it's a layer filled with auroras, which is a light show from heaven, if you can picture that. So when we're getting up to that level, it's literally light shows, heavenly light shows that happen all the time. And then beyond that is the exosphere, which is 400,000 feet and beyond. It's the last layer before you hit outer space. So what is the comparable to spiritual layers or spiritual atmospheres. Well, I, I, believe, I believe that I've just kind of seen this and put this together in a sense that will help make this possible for us to understand. So the troposphere, the 10,000 feet where weather is formed, 99.8% of all cloud cover and all of the, the turning and the stirring of weather happens, is what I'm going to call prevailing prayer. This is the stirring moment. Prayer is actually step one. 
to seeing the open heaven sustained over our church and over our city and over our nation. Prevailing prayer. Why is it important to pray for our, 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 our governments and all those different things? Why? Because when we prevail in prayer for them, God can move things. The Bible literally says that God holds the heart of kings in his hand. And I pray every day, Lord God, hold Justin Trudeau's heart in your hand. Speak to him. Move in his life. Do whatever you've got to do. I would pray the same over Brian Patterson, our mayor. I pray the same over Kathleen Wynne, our, our premier. That doesn't mean I agree with everything. Trust me, I don't agree with everything. But God didn't ask us to agree with everything. God asked us to agree with him in prayer. So that's what we're going to do. The second level, which is the stratosphere, is praise and worship. How many have ever been in a praise and worship service and you can tangibly feel the presence of God just hovering in? Boom. And you're kind of like, I don't know if I should move. And then you're looking around going, what is everyone else doing so that I don't look weird? But these are all your internal voices. You're just not really saying them out loud. But we all know you're thinking them. And it's that moment where, where something begins to unlock. Prayer positions us. Praise and worship presents something to God. And then the third thing is, which is that mesosphere is the presence of God is most tangible. You know what's interesting about the mesosphere is that it's the place where it can literally uh, disintegrate every meteor instantly. And that's the place, the presence of God, where God can disintegrate any past issue, any past sin, any past chain, any past bondage that the enemies put you in. The moment that the bondage hits the mesosphere, spiritually speaking, it disintegrates. Why is it that we're tracking this way as a church? Because you know what? I love prayer, but if we stay at level one, we're only going to have certain testimonies. We're only going to have certain stories. And, I, and I'm thankful for every story. But I don't want to just stay at prevailing prayer. I just don't want to stay at awesome prophetic praise and worship. I don't want just the presence of God. Number four, we want the power of the Holy Spirit. So the presence of God in action. So wherever we go, we are little Christ. Everywhere we go. Christians means little Christ. Everywhere we go, we are touching and extending the kingdom of God. And then the awesome thing is, is you know what sustains this whole dynamic? The principle of faith. Not hope. And I, don't throw things at me, but not love. Faith. Faith in a God that can do the impossible. Faith in a God that can do the miraculous. Faith is talking about a decision of your will not to bend, not to break, not to turn to the left, not turn to, turn to the right, but to get our, our gaze and our focus right on Jesus Christ and to not move from that place. We will stand, and when, when we're done standing, we're going to keep standing. And then when we think we're done standing in faith, we're going to keep standing. And then when someone presents to us a chair, we will turn around and say, Get behind me, Satan! And we will keep standing. Pray for me. Pray for Sandra. Because it sustains the move of God. Think about this for a second. How many have ever seen a good thing happening in business, in your family, in all of these different things, but it's never sustained over the long haul? You see snippets of it. You see snippets of it, and you live snippet to snippet to snippet. You live moment to moment to moment. But I don't know about you, but I get, I don't want to say I get tired because I'm thankful for the moments, but I get tired of having hope for a moment rather than having faith in the movement of God in and through our lives, in our home, and extended beyond. I just want to think higher. I want you guys to think higher this morning. 
Don't just live in a moment. Just don't live in a moment where you're just saying, oh God, I hope today you do something special for me because you love me. And then maybe seven months after that, you can come back for a visit. I look at it and I go, God, I want a sustained move. I want an open heaven. I want prevailing prayer, praise and worship, presence of God, power of the Holy Spirit, principle of faith, all in action, all the time. Thanks, Ryan. That's good. Interestingly enough, these five things are the same pattern that happened to the disciples in the book of Acts. Exact same pattern. They were in an upper room having a prayer meeting. Peter got out his ukulele. What did they start singing? Break every chain. Break every chain. Yeah, devil, you suck. Jesus isn't in the grave no more. And then someone started prophesying. Oh, I feel the Lord is going to. You know, he had it all there. Trust me. There was some sort of charismatic movement that happened right there. But what happened? They were prayer. They were praising, worshiping God. There was a tangible experience of God's presence. Then the suddenly showed up. Rushing mighty wind. Um, That would have been cool. Didn't end there. Tongues of fire on their head. That would have been cool. I don't know if you ever thought this, but I'm thinking to myself, if I could have just been a fly on the wall, Like, I just wish, Lord God, that you could take someone's Facebook Live camera back to 2,000 years ago and actually just videotape it in Facebook Live, the entire event of the Book of Acts Upper Room Experience, and play it for all of us, and we'd be like, that is awesome. But the cool thing is we can have our own. What happened in the Upper Room? They got baptized in the Spirit, so the power of the Holy Spirit came. And what happened? As a result, they had faith in God that led them to boldly declare the gospel, and one day, 3,000 people came to Christ. Prayer, praise and worship, presence of God, power of the Holy Spirit, principle of faith. It's connected. Acts chapter 4, another experience. I want you to see this. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. You have to understand, they were under threat of imprisonment and of death. And Peter prays, Oh, no, oh Lord, we hear their threats, but give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And then verse 31, after this, hmm, the meeting place shook. Wow, where have we heard that before? Two chapters earlier. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they stayed in the upper room for the rest of their life. No. No, they just didn't stop at number four. They, they aligned themselves to the principle of faith, and then they went out and preached the word of God with boldness. With boldness. Why? Because the, the, local, or the early church, the New Testament church, understood the concepts of prevailing prayer. They understood the significance of prayer, uh, not only for their own lives, but for the church itself. I just want to list seven very quickly, seven qualities of effective, fervent prayer. Just so we're tracking, so there's some kind of teaching here that you guys can kind of latch on to so that you know uh, where we're going with this. Number one, it agrees with God's word. Right? Your prayers have got to be in alignment with God's word. Number two, it aligns to God's will. Okay? Um, I don't know if praying for Bill Gates to become your best friend and give, him all your, or give you all his money. I don't know Exact, I mean, we could probably see that, you know, in Isaiah chapter 59, it says the wealth of the wicked are stored up for the just, so maybe that's it. But, you know, that doesn't mean praying in that husband or wife that God doesn't want for you. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
All right, all right. I digress. Um, three, it comes from right motives. When you humble, God pre- presents you. When you humble, pray, seek. Humble first, right motives. Four, it's filled with faith. Five, it is empowered by the Holy Spirit. In other words, we are not just speaking words from our own heart or our own soul, but we're speaking heart, uh, words from the very throne room of God that is in alignment with what God would want for our lives. One of the things that's great about prayer nights and specific prayer nights is that some of that night is marinating in God's presence, like Diana sauce and that wonderful chicken, which I will have soon, Lord Jesus. Um, but it's marinating long enough to hear, God, what are you saying right now? What do you want to declare over our church? What do you want to declare over us individually, over us as a family? Why is this important? Here's, I'm going to give you a little social worker analogy that I think will tie in well. When you're trained in social work, one of the things that they often talk about is, is not just um, speaking to people about the fruit on their tree, but getting to the roots of issues. Because we can deal with the fruit on the tree all day long, but as long as you keep picking that stuff, it's just going to keep growing back. So we've got to deal with the root issues. So we'd understand that from a social work kind of counseling kind of context. We get that. Um, but in this particular context, God wants us to marinate in prayer long enough so that we hear the principle that he wants us to align to and pray into, not what we see. Because often case, what we see is actually not the issue. It's a root issue that's far deeper. So prayer positions us to hear the real root, to actually get the key from heaven to unlock someone's heart. Because if not, what we often do is just bang on their door and wonder why they don't open, because we're just annoying, <laughs> right? But what we need to do is hear the voice of God long enough, get in the presence of God long enough, be in that prayerful spirit long enough that we hear what God is going to say about our situation. I want to encourage you, if you're parents right now and you've got kids at home, do not underestimate what God can speak to you in your prayers about your children, about the things that they're doing at school that you don't even know about, but you know by the Spirit they're doing it. I could tell you testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony of how many times God will wake up a mom or a dad in the middle of the night and pray specifically into one thing, not even knowing what or why, and then finding out two weeks later that God dealt with your kids without you even knowing it. But you just aligned yourself to hear the voice of the God, not, uh, voice of God, not to pray out of your own will, not to pray out of your own, um, sometimes, if I can say it, manipulative prayers. Come on, let's uh, come and get an amen here. Where we sometimes try to manipulate the hand of God to do something, rather than just simply hearing listening, speaking in alignment with what God is saying, and having a principle of faith take over that, God, we know it's good. It's done. Amen? Amen. Matthew 7, I love this verse, one of my favorites in the entire Bible. It says, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened to you. Hebrews 4.16, I actually shared this in the pre-service prayer room, but it says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There, will, there he, uh, we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. The interesting thing here is the word uh, come boldly is in the Greek, it literally means to draw near to. To draw near to. It's about relationship. We come to God not to get, we come to God because we just want to be with him. And the more we're with him, the more we have his heart because God reveals himself to us. Remember, prayer impacts the spiritual 
atmosphere. I don't know about you, but I want you to believe right now that the spiritual climate of your home is about to change. I want you to believe right now that the spiritual climate at your workplace or at your school is about to, ta- about to change. Why? Because you're there. Because you're there. Spectator to participator to initiator. It's the process of God. God's calling us to initiate. Amen? This is not a church that is a spectator church. It just isn't. Now, we love spectators who are coming and checking out Jesus because we always say the longer you're here, the more Jesus becomes really awesome to you and then you quickly move from spectator to participator. We love it in that sense. But there's a call of God on this house not just to be, you know, a country church that has strawberry socials every Sunday, and that's awesome, and I wish I could actually go to them because I love strawberry shortcake. But that's a topic for another day. Um, but the point is, is that every church has a mandate. Every church has a mandate. Every family has a mandate. You individually in your career and different things have a mandate. There's a unique call of God on your life that God wants you to fulfill. There's a unique call on this church that God wants us to fulfill. And from the very inception of this church, there's a phrase that just keeps coming out. And it just doesn't matter who comes in. It doesn't matter what prophet comes in. It doesn't matter which people come in. It's the same phrase being used over and over and over and over and over again, independently of one another. This is a city-reaching church. I hear that and I go, yes, Lord, what do you want us to do? Who do you want us to connect to? Where do you want us to go? Gets me excited. So know this morning that you're part of something that's far bigger than, than yourself. I'm a part of something far bigger than myself. That's why I need you. That's why you need me. Prayer is one of the most unifying church experiences in any church history. You get into prayer... And you don't even know the person five, five uh, chairs down from you. You may never even have a conversation with them. By the end of that prayer meeting, you're like, I just love you. I don't even know you, man. I just love you. Can we go out for coffee sometime? <laughs> you know, it's just awesome. That's what happens at prayer nights. You hear somebody pray, and they pray something. You're like, what? I said, what's up? You know, you get excited because you see something that's shifting in the atmosphere. And there's a unifying in our spirit to one another and to God. When we are focused on God, we automatically get unified together. I'm going to talk next week about the power of unity, but that's for next week. But I want you to see what happens when we as a church get a hold of this prayer culture and actually live it out every single day. Something can change. I want to end with one passage of Scripture that is so awesome. I I was bouncing off my wall this week, just reading it over and over and over again because of what it says and all of the little uh, intricacies of what we can uh, take from this particular passage. It's Acts chapter 12. Um, I'm going to start around verse 5. Uh, And just to give a little bit of background, Peter obviously had been preaching the gospel. He'd been doing the work of the Lord, and he had been arrested and thrown into prison for preaching the gospel. And that was... a probably a bad day. But to Peter, it wasn't. (laughs) That's what I love about these guys. They're like, they got a hold of the things of the Holy Spirit, and the things that should have been a bad day were the most exciting day in the world. Yes, we're in prison. That means we get to witness to all the prisoners, and then we're going to have a jailbreak, and then then it's awesome. (laughs) Where most of us would be like, oh, here we go again. 
same old, same old. And my response is probably because you're thinking same old, same old. That's why same old, same old keeps happening. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? So we get into a situation, and the first thing we got to think of, okay, prevailing prayer, praise and worship, presence of God, changes everything, Holy Spirit work, <laughs> I have faith for what you're doing. <laughs> and then you get so excited that things happen. You say, you're a little excited today. I can't help myself. Because I'm believing for something that I want you guys to see. I don't want you to just go, oh, that's a nice idea. Yay. Kumbaya, my Lord, kumbaya. Roasting mellows, my Lord, kumbaya. Wear some s'mores, my Lord, kumbaya. Who saw the s'mores? But that's what we do with all of these moments that God presents us with. And God is saying, I want you to take a hold of this by faith like you never have before. I want you to grab a hold of this like a bulldog on a bone that's not going to let it go. Because we are in a season right now where the impossible is about to become possible. Amen. But while Peter was in prison, they had a prayer meeting. Because they know the steps. Oh, Guys, remember this? Acts 2, Acts 4, Acts 8, Acts 10. Here we go, guys. Prayer first. Praise and worship. Holy Spirit shows up. Presence of God. Faith to do what God's calling us to do. This is where it's at. Verse 6. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep. Fastened with two chains between two soldiers. So he wasn't just fastened. He had a personal guard. Okay? So when the Bible says he had two chains and he had two guards around him, that means that there were two chains and there was two guards beside him. Okay, I just want to let you know, for those that are struggling with interpretation of Scripture, that's exactly what it means. When it says two chains and two guards, it means two chains and two guards. Just checking it, it just, I wanted to make sure that's what it said. Okay, all right. And he was fast, fastened with two chains between two chains. Okay, others stood guard at the prison gate. Ah, so the chance of him getting out is impossible. Suddenly, oh, I love that word. Same word used in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. Some of you need to read this verse to your teenagers. Okay, all right. <laughs> you know, just, just drop it there and just let them marinate on that verse. Just put pictures of that verse on their wall right above their bed. It's awesome. Okay, all right. <sighs> Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrist. In Peter's darkest hour, the church prayed. And every chain that the enemy tried to put on him was instantly released in the presence of God. Open heavens causes chains to fall off. Come on. Verse 8. Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. How, and he put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. I don't know about you, but open heaven often leads to some very clear direction. Some of us are praying for generic prayers answered. Can I... Can I can I challenge your faith this morning? Pray for such, such detail. Because God is the God of details. He's so concerned about the details of your life, you'd be blown away. Amen? 
Oh, I remember we, we were in a financial, like just a financial, we were tight. I mean, we were literally living at the poverty line, you know, newly married, uh, you know, maybe th three years into our marriage. Actually, no, it was further than that because Josiah was coming out of his, his infant car seat. And we had our eyes, so Josiah was about three and a half years of age, and we had our eyes on this Graco um, booster seat from Walmart for $39.99, but we didn't have the money to get it. And because and like, that's where we were financially. So we're just like, Lord, we need a car seat for Josiah. And Lord, I just know that you're going to... And you have to understand, for Sandra and I to pray for anything financial, it's like, if you ever want to hear financial stories to encourage your faith, just invite yourself over to our house for dinner and the entire evening and just say, tell me stories. Because I could have you there all night about stories about the goodness of God for faith and for finances. And that's just an area that we live in. We just, it's like, I don't struggle for that whatsoever. So we're praying, and we're believing God, and then we get this knock on our door in our townhouse in Oshawa, and it's our neighbor from two, two places down, and she's in her, I don't know, maybe late 60s, early 70s at the time. She was a grandmother, had a grandson that lived on the other side of Toronto, only came to visit every once in a while, but as a result, he was seven or eight at the time when she first got She ended up getting a booster seat. Interestingly enough, it was the same Graco booster seat that we loved at Walmart, and she comes over, knocks on the door, and just says, my son just, or my grandson just turned eight. We're not going to be needing this uh, booster seat anymore. Um, we've only used it a couple of times because he, he's, he only visits once in a blue moon. Would you like the booster seat? The exact same one we had our eyes on at Walmart. It had only been used maybe a handful of times because this, the grandson rarely ever visited, and he basically says, here you go. And some of you think, well, that's just a Graco car seat, no big deal. But that's what we pray into. That's the kind of just details. We're like, Lord, we, need a, we, we would like a Graco car seat from Walmart, $39.99. I don't care how you get it to us. <laughs> Knock on the door. Hello, Graco? <laughs> yeah, yeah, come on. You know, and that's just where we're at. But I want you to know here, sometimes you've got to be specific. Sometimes you've got to be specific in your prayers. Don't, don't wimp out and go, oh, God, I wish you would bless me today. No, what are you going through? What are you going through? Ask specifically from God. What do you need now? Because when you're in relationship, he already knows. So it doesn't even, <laughs> he already knows. Yeah, let me guess. You want that? Okay, good. Go for it. All right, awesome. But there's such detail in the way that God can lead you in his presence. So just look for it. Verse 8. Oh, sorry, verse 9. So Peter left the cell, followed the angels, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening, and they passed the first and the second guard post and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. <laughs> Hello. So doors open in the presence of God. Literally. Some of you may be believing God for a change in your job. Believe for open doors. He can do it. Okay? Just don't quit your job before you get another one. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Okay. All right. So they passed through and started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angels and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. Now watch this. Watch what Peter is about to walk into. Verse 12. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for... <laughs> they were praying in their own upper room, for Peter to be released. And what happened? Wow. Earnest, prevailing prayer led to a supernatural, divine intervention. Verse 13, 
He knocked at the door and the gate, and the servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter's standing at the door. <laughs> yes, it's awesome. You're out of your mind, they said. And I thought to myself, how can you be in prayer for the very thing you're praying for? And then it hit me this week as I was preparing. You know who are often the people to speak up first? Are the spectators. Because they don't understand it. Initiators have got to have their hand on the megaphone. And that's nothing against those people that doubted it. But I've seen this my whole life. How do I know? I did it all the time. Whenever I doubted something and I struggled with seeing something supernatural, I was the first to speak. Well, I don't know. That's God. Right? You know what I'm saying? This is what happens all the time. So we have to be aware that sometimes those people that speak first are people that are speaking not because they are in agreement, but because they don't understand. So don't be thrown by that. I've seen so many churches that get off, like literally off-centered from a move of God because they're listening to the wrong voices. Okay? That was a good word. Thank you, Cameron. That was a good point. All right. Where am I here? Okay. You're out of your mind, they said. When she assisted, they decided it must be his angel. <laughs> Maybe he already died. Maybe our faith didn't work. Maybe we just are no good at praying. You know, if we just had Jesus back, everything would be better. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking when they finally opened the door. I could just imagine him out there going, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, knock, 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 knock. Come on, people! Like, like honestly, like you're looking at it, I'm thinking to myself, what would I be thinking if I'm Peter? I get released from bondage and I go to a place where I want to be warmly welcomed and they're ignoring me. This is just awesome. Okay? I want us to pray prayers that if it were not for God's help, it would most definitely fail. That's what I want normal impact church to be. You know what I'm saying? So verse 17, he mentioned for them to quiet down and told them how the Lord had helped let him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers what happened. And then he went to another place. I don't know about you, but that would have been the best small group night of my life. <laughs> Come on, let's get Peter in the hot seat. Let's pray for him. <laughs> you know, I can just see it now. Yay! Okay, all right, here we go. <sighs> but the story doesn't end. The very person who imprisoned Peter, the very person who was signing the death warrant, two ver three verses later, a couple verses later, it says, so Herod was consumed with worms and died. And then just so we don't miss the point, meanwhile, the word of, the God, uh, word of God continued to spread and there were many new believers. Hallelujah. You have to understand that when the enemy has a warrant on your head, and when we get into that place of prayer and the presence of God and the Holy Spirit moving and principle of faith, not only does he release your chains, but he takes out the enemy on your behalf. Never underestimate what God can do with a praying church. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 22 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. And abstain from every 
form of evil. Ian e. Bounds sent it like this, every mighty move of the Spirit of God has had its source in the prayer chamber. I couldn't agree more. And A.T. Pearson says, there has never been a spiritual awakening in any country or locality that did not begin in united prayer. Here's what I want us to do. I'm putting out a challenge. I want us to have so many people show up on Wednesday night that we're going to have to move to a bigger room than to another bigger room because we don't have enough room. If you're at home, you say, I've never really been to a prayer meeting. It's okay. Come Wednesday night. You say, what happens if I just spectate? I would gladly have you spectate on Wednesday night because I just feel like we are stepping into something as a church that has to, not only that, that it has to happen, but it has to continue to happen. It can't just be a one-time event. It has to be something that is continuous. Ephesians 5, 18 and 19 says to be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Greek word literally means infinitum, over and over and over and over again with no end. No end. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com. 